You're listening to Your Credit Today with Angela setters Bassard, the real credit queen. It's time to get your creditation on. Tune in, invite your friends and coworkers as we share industry tips, stories, and wealth-building strategies. This is A to the N to the G. Let's go. Hey, what's up, fans and friends out there? This is A to the N to the G. You're listening to Your Credit Today, and I have an amazing guest on my show today. But before I get there, you better hit that subscribe button and tell all of your friends and family about the amazing tips and information that you're learning from this voice here, A to the N to the G. So today is all about understanding why title companies exist and what their primary function is in the world of public filings, recording, and just a whole lesson on title reporting from my amazing and savvy guest this morning. Now, some of you may be saying, what in the world does title have to do with credit? Well, we're going to find out. And I want to tell you everything, friends. Most of us in our lifetime are either dealing with a business entity or a home or commercial property that at some point may involve you understanding more about title. For those of you that are homeowners, do you have a trust that you have recorded to the title of your home? Do you have a spouse or a partner that should be on or off title? Do you know if you have a clouded title? And do you know what that even means? All of this and more is what me and my guests are going to be discussing today. So let's get ready to rumble and get you credit educated. I just want to introduce this beautiful lady today, Kelly Corona, who is with Orange Coast Title Company. Let's give her the famous YCT warm welcome. Hey, Kelly, nice to have you here today. Hi, Angela. I'm very pleased to be here and be able to share some great information to those of you that are listening to us and why title is so important and what does credit have to do with title. And we deal with these type of issues on a daily basis. So I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Awesome. So Kelly, this show is where we educate people about a lot of things about money, real estate, and most of all business and personal credit. But also it's about helping others see how we can build leaders, strong companies, and how to learn from everything that we grow through. And yes, I did say grow through. We all start somewhere financially, career and family, and we all have a story that speaks volumes to those that admire us like so many do you. So let's talk. Tell me a little bit about your story. Tell us about you and how long you've been in the title game and what brought you to the title world. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So like you mentioned, I'm Kelly Corona from Orange Coast Title. I've been serving in the real estate business since 2015. And I actually came into the business by accident and I ended up loving title. So I actually started on the escrow side. And then throughout the years, I found out that title was my thing. Orange Coast Title has been around since 1974. It's a company that services all 50 states. And I actually love underwriting. So it is one of my specialties of what I do in the title business. Oh, well, wait a minute. You just said something that's very interesting to me. You said that you love underwriting. So is that what title is about, underwriting or part of it? 
It is part of it. There's so many different aspects and branches when it comes to title. And I'll go a little bit more into detail and also let the listeners know what you need to know when it comes to title, when it comes to buying and selling a home and to why it's important. And choosing the right company and who you work with matters. And I'll go into detail as to why that's important. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, before you get into that, okay, if you were granted a trip through a time machine, what would you tell 15-year-old Kelly? What kind of advice? That's a great question. (laughs) You know what? I don't think I've been asked that before, but I think just in general, enjoy every single moment in life and learn from your mistakes. Mm. Time flies by, man. I I can remember when I was 15. And, and if I can go back to when I was 15, man, I would enjoy every single moment more. Absolutely. Man, when I was 15, I had the flock of seagulls haircut and listening to Duran Duran. Please, please tell me now. <laughs> you probably don't even know you that know, song. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I don't, but you know what? When I say enjoy every moment, I've just noticed how much we're consumed by the phones now. And yes. sometimes things happen in life and you're like, you know, I wish I would have spent more time with this person. You know, one day from one day to another, someone is not here and you just regretted spending more time with them. And I think that is one of the things that I wish I could go back and change people that are not here anymore. Just spend more time with them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Well, my next question is, when you were growing up, what financial advice did you receive or wish you had received? And the reason I ask that is, you know, a lot of people always tell me, you know, my parents were really busy. They worked, you know, really hard. And unfortunately, they didn't have a lot of time to teach us financial wellness or being. Or I have clients that tell me or friends that tell me all the time, wow, my parents were really on me about understanding why my credit's so important, why having money in the bank is so important. Tell me about your experience. So actually, I'm a first generation here. So growing up, I had only financial advice from my parents, in Mm. particular more with my dad. And he was on me with it. He was always telling me, hey, your credit score is everything you have to do this with your money. Don't do this with your money. You always pay your stuff on time. He was the only person that I have ever had financial advice from. I mean, I could, if I could think about it, not even in school. Oh yeah. No financial advice. And now I think about it, why people struggle with credit or maybe debt because the resources, I mean, I grew up here, I was born here and I didn't have other resources to guide me through that. And I'm very thankful to have a father who was able to guide me through that because I think I've been able to follow his steps. And if it wasn't because of him, I think things could have gone a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a blessing that you had a father that really cared about those things. And it sounds like he walked it out himself, which is great to have a leader in front of you, not only telling you what to do, but actually walking it out themselves. So I love to hear that. Yeah. You know, and it's great. And it, it, like I said, I come from a first generation. So he actually came to this country with no education, with nothing, not knowing English. And so 
I, he learned it himself. So from someone that came here with not having an education or even someone to financially guide him, it's like there's no financial advisor. There's there's none of that. So I think it's, you know, it's great to have had such a leader. But now there's so many resources out there that I'm sure, you know, we'll talk about those. Yeah, 100%. So tell me this, what is a title report? And tell me a little bit about the history of why it's essential for so many companies and why it exists. So title report is usually the word that people in the audience, you know, refer to it, but the actual term is called a preliminary report. So what is the preliminary report? A preliminary report is a report that is pulled whenever someone is either buying or selling a property. And this report contains all the history on the property since it was built and there was a last title policy, we extract all the data that's been filed against it. When I talk about the data that's been recorded against the property, I'm talking about taxes, CCRs, easements, encroachments, loans, judgments, changes in title, HOA. It's like the history of the property on a title report. And this all gets reported to the county. So title companies are in charge whenever there's a transaction to pull a prelim report. Well, why do we need a prelim report on a property? Well, because whenever you're changing the ownership, you want to make sure it's free and clear because you don't want any previous debt or loans passing on to new homeowner. So our job is to examine and do a deep search to make sure everything is good. Obviously, prelim reports, they don't always come in. So our job is to make sure and do a good search to pull all those records up start working on them before you close escrow. Mm, Okay. So you just kind of went into a little bit about the type of information that is reported, but how, how do you get that information? Where does it come from? So basically anyone can record anything against the property. So when I say really, so they can just let anyone can. So if you have a grievance with someone, let's say that your neighbor doesn't like you Mm -hmm. and now they want to file something to make it difficult for you to sell the property down the line. You mean that's something that they could do? Totally. It's called the list pendants. So they file an action through the court. And so it can be because they don't like you and they think that you owe them money for whatever reason. And so let's say one day you want to go ahead and sell the property. No title company will close or ensure the transaction until that action, that list pendants is released from the court. So it can be the biggest or the smallest thing. The list pendants will stop from someone selling the property. It could be that, hey, maybe you, um, your neighbor doesn't like you and they think you owe them a thousand dollars for gardening or whatever reason it is, and they'll file it against the court and you'll have to clear that and go through the court to release it and prove through the court why this should be released or you need to settle it, paid off, whatever it is. Okay. Now here's a question. So let's say your neighbor does that and you don't talk to your neighbor all the time and he's not telling you, Hey, guess what? I filed something against your title. And what if you never know until it comes to a point where you're going to refinance your property or you're going to sell it. I mean, how do they alert you that Mm -hmm. this information has been reported against your title? 
Well, when something's filed against the court, like a list penance, usually there's attorneys involved. So you'll get a copy of that document delivered to your property. The mailing address provided on the property or that's recorded with the county, which is like on the uh, tax bill, you always put what your mailing address, where your taxes are going. That's where the county is going to be sending the mail. Sometimes people just toss stuff away and think, hey, I'm not going to pay attention to this notice. And they think because you toss things away, they're going to go away and you just don't hear from anyone or nothing mm -hmm. no one comes and knocks on your door well it's still a record and will stay on the history of the property you know there could be a list pendants that was filed against the property in 1990 something and what is a list pendants what what does that exactly mean so list pendants is the term that they use in real estate but it basically is a notice of action filed against a property. It's like a case. It's a yeah. litigation against like a, against a person or uh, an entity or just yeah. property. It could be against the entity that's attached to the property and the name. So anytime someone files something against your name, they can attach it to the property. So what what can protect you from that? If you have your home in a trust, is there anything that can protect you against someone just willy-nilly going and filing something against your property? So it depends how title is held. If it's against an individual, if it's in a corporation, if it's in a trust, it just depends in what ways they're holding title. And it also depends how they filed the list pendants against? Did you just file it against the individual and the property? Did they file it against the trust? Did they file it against the entity? Because most likely if it's attached to the property address and the name, it has to get cleared no matter what. Got and it. So no title company will release it until you have a release of list pendants or it was settled through the court. And there's court documentation that says this has been released. The only people that can actually release this is either the court or the person who filed it against you. Okay. And what is a homestead? And what's the purpose for filing a homestead? Are you, do you know about that? Yeah, so that's a declaration of who owns the property. And we see those that people do record that against the property. But in reality, if there's a list pendants filed against the property, it still needs to get cleared. Okay. Okay. Have you ever seen at times, let's say someone has a list pendants or they have a lien against the property and there's no settlement, but there is an agreement that they're going to remove or release the lien, then once that's done, it has to be filed through a title company, correct? Yeah. So there's two ways of um, getting that release. Either they can record it through the recorder's office, or we can record it through the file in the transaction. But like I said, the release can come from the person who actually filed it. Let's say it's mid many years and they're like, you know what, we just want peace or I owe you this much here. I'm going to pay you all create a document that this is the release and it always has to match the instrument number that was filed to reference the item to release it so as long as we have the release from the individual that filed it or the court that will clear it okay. it's just basically saying we've settled the situation we've settled the, the action it's good to go so as long as we have documentation of that and proof of that then we can clear it it does we don't really care 
what the situation was as far as like, was it $10, $20, 20,000, half a million, a million. We just want to see the release. Now, have you ever seen a situation where someone has purchased a property that had a mechanics lien or any type of lien, a tax lien, something like that, filed against the property and someone didn't do their due diligence and now someone owns a property with a clouded title and a lien against it? So I necessarily haven't had a situation where someone bought a property and then there's liens from the previous people. You know, the only times we ever... I've ever seen something is where we pull title and there's like an open loan from a previous owner. Sometimes that will happen because the recon wasn't recorded. Hey, you're saying all these terms, girl. I need you to tell our audience, what is a recon? Heller. So recon is whenever a property, let's say you take out a loan and you paid it off. And in order to prove that that deed of trust and that loan, so a deed of trust and a loan is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say you paid it off. And well, how do we prove that it's been paid off? Well, a recon will be recorded. That's the type of document that states this loan has is that been a reconveyance. Off. Reconveyance. We use recon as short, but mm-hmm. yes, a reconveyance. Okay, so it's a reconveyance of the loan, the loan proving the transaction, basically. So title companies sometimes will show previous open loans that were probably paid off through a transaction or paid off by the seller because they just want to make sure and do their own search that it was paid off because maybe it was sold, you know, a couple other times, but we want to make sure that those were paid off because what if a title company, you know, went ahead and closed it and maybe they didn't record the recon and something was just done in error. There was mistakes. We do human mistakes. So sometimes you'll see those on the reports. And I had actually a situation last week where uh, someone came to me and said, hey, these are from the two previous owner. Why are we showing them? And I said, let me double check it. So we ran it. We're like, oh, yeah, they were paid off. We're good to go. So we just want to make sure that we check that they actually were paid off because you can't rely on other people. We want want to cover our butts because we are ensuring now the property moving forward. Absolutely. So what are some things that we should be more aware of when we're buying a home and when it pertains to title? Is there any tricks that we need to know about? Are there any things that we should be asking our agent? Is there anything that we should be aware of when we're doing a refinance, like anything that you can think of? So one of the things I would highly recommend is whenever you're thinking about selling your property or doing a refinance, As soon as you know you're going to do that and you sign a contract with someone that you're selling the property or you are moving forward with the refinance, I would let them know, hey, can we pull the title report now? So a lot of my clients that we work with, we like to pull the prelim report as soon as we know that they listed the property. Mm. And why do we do that? The traditional way to do it is open up title once it goes into the escrow. But the importance of doing it in the beginning is because you want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's important because sometimes we think that things were taken care of, or sometimes there's surprises of taxes, judgments, child support. That's the biggest one we always see. Um, 
I don't know, I've seen before $100 from Tesla that were recorded on the property not paid. So sometimes you'll just see small things. Sometimes you sell big, big things. What I'll see too is, you know, a couple divorced and there's liens from the ex-husband that are attached to the property and they thought they would just disappear. Um, Yeah, I've seen that happen. And the crazy thing is, is that I was told by an attorney that specifically because these clients live in California and it's a community property state Mm -hmm. that there's nothing that they could do because the debt was actually only in the ex-wife's name and the debt actually, believe it or not, it was pre-marriage. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't even debt that he typically would have inherited, but because they owned a property together in California and those creditors filed a lien against the property, now he's left holding the bag because she left and she doesn't have the money to pay. I think there's like five different creditors that put liens against his home. Yeah, so we just see those type of situations happen. And unfortunately, those are the laws here in California. It's important to order it. And so one of the things that I like to do in my team that I work with, we always order the prelim report in the beginning. It sometimes can take 24 to 48 hours to get that report. It just depends. When was the last time that the property was insured? If it was it was the last time was it insured in 1940, 1950? Was it last year? It, the timing on getting that report back determines the time that we will get it. So the examiners will go into all the records to pull everything that has to do with the property. And so we will go ahead and pull all that information, create a report. And once I get that report, I always review it myself and I always send it to my clients and say, hey, first half of taxes are paid, the second half are not, or hey, they're due on supplemental taxes for like three years. Like we got to pay this before we close. And then let's say there's um, Melarus. Let's say that there's Melarus. So Melarus is whenever there's a a school district that they have to pay taxes on. Usually you'll see this like in the Santa Clarita area, like on the new builds, that they have to pay these special taxes for 30 years. Usually it's 30 years. Really? That's interesting. Wow. And so that's something that if, if someone is buying a property in an area that requires you to pay Melarus, the agent would let you know that that's a special tax that you would have to pay throughout the, like you said, 30 years. Yes, that is correct. And usually I see that a lot in in California, in the southern part, in Santa Clarita. That's where you see that a lot. A lot of the properties have that. And so whenever someone's buying a property, their agent will tell them, hey, this property has this kind of special tax lien. Another of the things that you'll see on the prelim report, like I said, are the open loans. Sometimes there's one open loan, two open loans. Sometimes there's three open loans. You'll see the private money. If they record a private money loan on the property, you'll see it there. If someone has made changes in title when they've owned the property, for example, let's say husband and wife bought the property, they decided to add the son and the daughter throughout the years that they owned the property. We'll see those changes on there as well. And anytime we see any common names, sometimes you'll see liens and judgments on there. And sometimes, you know, 
you're like, those are not mine. Well, sometimes they'll be added because it's such a common name. We need to make sure like, is this yours or not? Mm -hmm. And so how can we determine if it's theirs or not? We call it an SI, which is a statement of information that we can actually get from the individuals and say, hey, fill out this statement of information. Let's run it. Let's stop check that these are yours or not. You know, sometimes we'll say, hey, they're not ours. And then we run it. And we're like, yeah, it was yours. It was the washer you never You paid. and I had that situation. <laughs> I had you and you called it a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, it's a deep dive search. Sometimes people make the mistake of running the SI too late in the transaction and there'll be judgments or creditors that they owe stuff to and they think it's not going to come up. And mm. this statement of information is so important. And I always tell people it's so important. We run this in the beginning. Yeah. If you're presentation, just get a statement of information from your client. Let's run the stuff in the beginning. Let's not wait till the end. Because what if you have a nasty lien come up that is actually theirs and it's not enough to cover the lien? I mean, I think I'm going to share this perfect example where this agent had feeling that something was going on with this property. And she's like, you know what? I want to open up a prelim report before, you know, moving forward with this. Let's see what's going on. So I said, sure, let's go ahead and open it. You know, I got the report back. I think we had easily like over 15 liens on this one. The liens were IRS liens. They were with the state and they were tax liens. There's no way of getting around those. you got to pay those. And as time goes by, the interest starts going up. So they start getting bigger and bigger. And they were over 1.3 million in liens. And wow. the was not even worth that. So in this case, she didn't even have the proceeds to cover the liens. She didn't have the money to pay for it. And so this transaction was not going to go anywhere. And this just saved everyone a lot of time because we knew what was going on in the beginning. Wow. Versus, let's say that they would have gone and moved it forward and waited until escrow to pull the title report. You know, I'm sure that would upset a buyer that would upset a lot of people that we didn't know that. So it's doing our search in the beginning versus the end. Cause sometimes we think that stuff goes away and, you know, people want to get paid. Yeah, of course. And that's, wow, that's so important. I mean, the depth in which we have to know so many things as consumers, you know, mm -hmm. everything that you're talking about, like, you know, if you have no idea about how real estate works, if you don't have someone that's representing you that does the due diligence like this agent did, I mean, mm -hmm. can you imagine? That's why we need professionals in our life, people. Remember that. That's why I bring professionals to this show. Well, listen, I want to go into some fun stuff here. Mm -hmm. and you have given us so much wisdom and so much information as it pertains to title. Mm -hmm. But tell me, tell me something. What's the best advice that you have given to one of your clients or to one of your peers? When it comes to title, I would say it doesn't have to be title, by the way. I don't the best advice. Gosh, this is you're making me think on this. <laughs> That's what I do, girl. I make people think. <laughs> I mean, I'll go two routes. When it comes to title and real estate, and if you have credit, I mean, you can't buy 
a lot of things in California if you don't have credit. That's right. Especially when it comes to homes, cars, you know, loans, all that, you got to have credit. And so when it comes to real estate, just make sure you're working with a good title person. I insure all 50 states. So, you know, reach out to me. You know, I can, every state is different. Every state works differently with title and escrow. Some states are attorneys. And so I can walk you through the process if you need us to just even run a search. Like, it's just better to do your research in the beginning before it's too late. Yes. It's better to take care of the situations in the beginning. And then aside from title and escrow, the best advice, I would say, um, gosh, live every moment in life. <laughs> you know what? I'm in that age right now where I'm like, man, I wish I would have enjoyed a lot of other things or done things differently. Learn from your mistakes, you know, take advice from people who have, you know, made those mistakes. Never before. stop learning, right? Never stop learning. Sometimes I think people, you know, put their walls up, their guards up with the ego and the pride and that I know everything. And and I think that's one of the things I learned from my father that, hey, you don't know everything. Listen to those that's gone through situations before and just yeah, take their advice. Absolutely. Now, what do you think about the financial literacy problem in our country? Like, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, obviously, you're you're in the world of you know surrounded about around finance. What do you think about what's going on with the literacy problem that a lot of people have that may not have access to money? You know what I think. I think we do have a problem when it comes to financial literacy here. And I think one of the problems is that we're not educating children at a young age about things that happen in a daily basis and growing up. Yes. Just, you know, property taxes. I mean, I mean, we learned in economics, you know, taxes and stuff, but going deeply about taxes, you know, credit your credit score. I'm sure, you know, you'd be surprised. I come across a lot of people that don't know what supplemental taxes are. You know, why are they not teaching this, these type of terms and things that you come across, you know, growing up? This is the stuff that should be, yeah, should be taught in, in high school. Yeah. And I think even like middle school would be a good age to start teaching people about financial and, you know, no one ever talked about credit. And yeah. credit growing up. And I'm sure there's people that sometimes don't have a father or a mother to oh, guide I them. I talk to them every day, girl. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, thankfully I had that advice, but what if I didn't have, you know, someone to guide me through that financial situation? And I think that's why a lot of people come across these situations when they want to buy a house or they don't even know the terms. Um, it's, it's very sad, but I think it's something that they really need to start implementing in our system is teaching the children at a very young age the importance of this. Well, yeah, you know, I think yeah. it's one of the biggest things because you can't, but I mean, I remember when I was ready to buy my first car and I wanted to buy it on my own, I couldn't buy it because I didn't have credit. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard to get started to get my credit. And I just wanted to take out cards like left and right and use them left and right. And no one guided me. Hey, like you're not supposed to take out six credit cards at the same time. (laughs) 
maxim. And so, well, you know what? I want to pivot off of that because tell me one thing that you don't know about credit that you want to know so that I can tell you all about it. Actually, one of the things I would like to know, and I think this would really help our listeners, is how long does it really take to fix your credit score in order to buy a property? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very good question. And it's actually a loaded gun question (laughs) because everybody has a different credit score, a different credit history, everything. Our credit is like a thumbprint, right? So we applied for our first credit card at a certain time. Um, We've used credit a certain way. We've had problems a certain way. So fixing your credit is all about how many accounts need to be fixed, what kind of things you have going on? Do you have a bunch of collections? Do you have charge-offs? Do you have a bunch of late payments? Do you have student loan issues? It's all about understanding exactly what's going on and making a plan going forward. I say all the time that people have a financial plan, but they never have a credit plan. And that's Mm -hmm. super important because credit is an investment tool to build wealth. And that's what I tell people all the time. So fixing your credit, I would say, is not always easy. And it's not always a hundred percent. So this is why I do this show so that I can educate people. I can make them aware of the things that they can do on their own. I can make them aware of the laws that are out there, the regulations, everything that they need to know so that they can plan ahead. And what I would always say to people is monitoring your credit is extremely important. Don't wake up one day and say, hey, I want to buy a house, but you've never looked at a copy of your credit history so you don't know what's going on. So um, that's my answer to that question. (laughs) That is really great because, you know, I I agree. Sometimes some people are ready to buy. They have the money, but the credit score is not looking good. And, you know, they want to buy a house within the next 30 days. And, you know, sometimes stuff doesn't happen that quickly. So yes for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, again, it's always dependent on what's going on, but there is hope. And I want everybody to know that there's always something that can be done. So you have to seek help and you have to seek out the right kind of help because there are a lot of companies out there that say, ah, no problem. We can get rid of all of your worries. No problem. We'll do it in 30 days. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, grandma always said, if it sounds too good to be true, honey, it is. (laughs) that's great and and, you know i i hope i hear from our listeners you know i've been in the industry for a while now and i have a great team i work with all together we've been doing this for 20 plus years it's it's a team full of knowledge and so we're more than happy to help you guys you know we have a google page you guys can take a look at what our clients are saying and why they work with us we've had clients that have worked with us for over 15 years Amazing. Amazing. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. Friends and fans out there, you're listening to Your Credit Today. You know it's A to the N to the G. And remember to hit that subscribe button. And Kelly, thank you so much. Uh, We hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you so much. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.